Hi, I'm Janelle Simmons, CEO of Landlords New York, and I am so excited to welcome you to our podcast, which is intended to be an extension of our website so that we can bring you need-to-know real estate information on the go, because it's New York City and we're all in a hurry to be somewhere. joining us today. My guests are Robert Siddigatpour, David Goldfisher from Stratco Property Group. Welcome, gentlemen. Thanks for having us. Absolutely. Very exciting. Um, I don't know if exciting is the right word. A lot of landlords are concerned about the upcoming proposed rent laws of 2019. So that's what we're going to be discussing today. Before we dive into the meat and the heart of this, um, do you guys, gentlemen, just mind to give me an overview of Stratco, kind of tell us who you are, what you do, the services you provide, and then we'll dive, dive into the discussion. Sure. We're a, we're a consulting company that specializes with uh, New York City rent regulation. Uh, within that, we do uh, pre-purchase due diligence. We do tenant relations, uh, litigation management, uh, the IAI consulting and data gathering. And then uh, we also strategize and negotiate the tenant buyouts on behalf of landlords. And I should also mention that Stratco is the rent regulation expert for Landlords New York. So uh, for any of our members who are listening, you can reach out to them at any time through the website with questions regarding any of those subjects. Um, We've actually had a presentation on this that we gave to a group of our members, so it's certainly felt that it was important to share it with a broader audience. So um, do you mind, there are several proposed bills, which we will make available in the episode notes. Do you mind to walk us through these? Talk to us about the concerns, um, what is proposed, what some of the goals of these proposed laws are. Uh, I'll turn the floor over to you. Sure. So it's important that we give this disclosure because some people might be looking for legal advice. We're a strategy company. We're a consulting firm. We're not giving any type of legal representation or legal advice. Um, all of these proposed bills or the proposed legislation is something that we've studied. And to our limited understanding and limited experience, we're sharing our, our, our professional uh, guidance. So no one should construe it as a legal opinion. And uh, based off of our research, we're giving an opinion. It's not necessarily a matter of fact. So I'll start out with uh, laying out the big picture. Dave will share uh, specific examples and how it applies on the ground. So uh, this upcoming June, it's, uh, it's a vote on the proposed amendments or law changes related to, uh, to the rent bills for uh, New York State. Um, there's 37 proposed uh, tenant protection bills. Those 37 fall within seven categories. So what are the seven categories? First categories are there's a number of bills that limit rent growth on uh, the landlord side. Number two, there's a, a bill to, to tap into the landlord's equity stake in uh, their building in the event that there's a vacate order. Three, there's a, this is administrative related to the buyouts process and providing disclosures. Four, related to construction and potential fines or procedural changes. Uh, five, uh, related to sorting any types of cases and impact for process servers. Six, uh, impacting uh, your leasing and administrative changes or really adding paperwork to that process. And seven, um, related to violations, disclosure, and a reward or punishment system related to the number of violations you have. So 
that's a lot to digest, first of all. Um, could you give, what are, I guess, what are landlords most concerned about? What calls are you receiving? Could you give us maybe some examples of what these bills, what can happen, how this might impact an owner? So let's do this. Let's break down what, uh, what's the sentiment, and then let's break the, let's back into it. We, wanna, we want the audience to be empowered and understand where these laws are coming from, why they're being generated, and then people can relate to it from a position of strength as far as their next step. So general sentiment in the industry, um, people felt that it was coming because it was there was so much growth in this industry the, uh, the last nine years. Um, it was on a major upswing and a tremendous amount of expansion. So, you know, we're in, in my opinion, my limited knowledge, I believe we're entering a period of contraction um, where there's going to be tighter regulation uh, to help balance out the playing field. Um, and amongst the, you know, the operators and the industry, there's a fear of, uh, of concern, um, uncertainty, because uh, certain business plans or certain yields that people were getting on their investments, they're going to change. And people don't, know, don't necessarily know what's next. Um, so there's a period of uncertainty. So what we'd like to do now is outline what are, what are the goals of what, what is the government trying to establish? So we had 37 proposed bills that on the surface people think that it's a, it's a doom and gloom perspective, but let's understand the root of it and why they're proposing this and what good are, what good are they proposing to establish by bringing these into the industry. Dave, why don't you go ahead and lay out what, what are the goals? Sure. So I think the 37 bills can be broken down amongst six primary goals of what the city is trying to accomplish. Um, starting with number one, the city would like to ensure owner and vendor integrity on all applications. They don't want anything to be filed incorrectly um, on the landlord end. Number two, want to inform the public about rental market conditions. This speaks directly to buyouts um, prior to a tenant being bought out. We want to make sure the tenants are informed that they know what the market would be for that area where they're looking to move. Um, three, mitigate rent growth from unit turnovers. Um, the city does not want landlords uh, predicating their business plan on, on turning over rent-regulated units. Um, four, mitigate collateral damage from building renovations. We don't want landlords using building renovations as a tool to sort of strong-arm tenants out and making their lives uh, miserable. Five, we want to create transparency on building conditions. Um, there's a number of bills that are tailored towards ensuring that the tenants um, have complete transparency. They know exactly what's going on in their building and in their individual unit. And then lastly, the city is trying to mitigate the benefits owner made achieve from a vacate order. In the past, there have been some landlords that have used the vacate order to their advantage, um, and the city wants to essentially put an end to that. Okay, so that's... That is a lot. Um, what are some of the best-in-class operators, some of your clients that you're working with now, what are landlords doing to prepare for some of these proposed changes? They're cleaning up their buildings and their operations to, uh, to near-perfect levels. What does that mean? Is we're, we're going to have a lot of, there's a lot of proposed bills that impact operators and buildings that have a high violation count. So if you've got one violation per apartment per building, so if you've got 10 units and you've got 10 HPD violations, our clients are shooting to get to zero. may not be possible because the inspector is always going to find something, but that, that's what they're aiming for, and uh, they're scheduling their inspections prior to June. So as HPD uh, may be doing their, you know, their portfolio analysis on buildings with high violation counts. They want to get those down to zero. 
Um, they're closing out building permits. They're filing for any new renovations, but they're also trying to close out as many permits as possible because based on these proposed bills, it may be more cumbersome to either get a building permit or to close something out because it's going to be tied with other uh, topics within or issues within your building. The And then related to raising the rents, they're trying to do everything they can between now and June to accomplish that. What does that mean? It means, for example, if you have a vacant unit, they're renovating it as soon as possible and they're trying to lease it up prior to June uh, because there's still laws in place that go towards June. It's possible that they may um, redact it to go towards earlier, but assuming these go into effect for June, they want to they wanna basically capitalize on any MCI applications or uh, units where the, they can raise the legal rent through the current methods. So there are 37 laws. You've broken it down to seven for us. Let's tell us, give us the specifics. Okay, fine. <laughs> Let, let's be specific. These are 37 proposed Correct. bills. They're excuse actually me, not laws. <laughs> so we might be getting ahead of ourselves. And then we took 37, we broke it down into seven categories. Let's start with the first category that we mentioned. Rent growth. So there's four proposed bills related to MCIs, vacancy to control, vacancy allowance, and preference. Dave, let's uh, let's come up with a scenario here. So they have a proposed bill related to preference. What's going on here? And let's use a hypothetical situation. Sure. So let's say there's a rent regulated unit where the market rent on this unit is uh, $2,000, the legal rate. And the tenant's paying $1,500. And the tenant's been receiving a preference since they've been in the building. They have four or five kids in the unit, own the neighborhood public schools tied to the tied to the neighborhood. All of a sudden, the landlord and you know wants to exercise his right to increase and realize the market rate on that unit. So the next renewal comes up, he raises that rent from $1,500 to $2,000, which, again, is within his legal right to do so, assuming his paperwork has been correct. The tenant now is faced with a tremendous increase and um, doesn't know what to do. He goes to the city council member, says, my rent was just raised $500 out of the blue. I had no idea it was coming. I got to relocate with my kids. I'm stuck. So what the city wants to propose is that the landlord will be unable to do this going forward. What he has to do is he has to raise the rent based off that PREF, based off that $1,500, so long as this tenant is still living in the unit. So why are they doing this? There's been such a high migration rate coming to New York City, and the amount of migration versus the supply is not in balance. So rent growth has been exceptionally high. Income salary or income levels amongst the general population hasn't gone to that same same, uh, growth rate. So there's a it's not in balance. So there's an affo- a major affordability challenge here. And at the same time, they're not... Uh, rent regulation was meant to basically keep neighborhoods and households intact and create stability. Um, but with the current, uh, the current laws and market conditions, it created an opportunity where some people you know, made it their business plan to capitalize on these inefficiencies. So... This proposed bill, what are they trying to accomplish? They don't want the PREF rent to be used as a mechanism to turn over units to increase uh, your, you know, your revenues on a building. But what, what they made it clear on this proposed bill, they, they're honoring the legal rent, but the tenant has to leave on their own 
They have to, any one of the methods would, you know, where a unit can be turned over. So what is that? Tenant can leave on their own. They can be bought out. Or if they do something outside of their lease terms and they get evicted, the owner reclaims possession. So, so as long as it's done within that honor system, the owner can still realize his legal rent. So what's another situation? MCIs. So what's the issue here with MCIs? There's been major growth with, uh, with uh, free market rent levels, and landlords were incentivized to, to spend as much as they could on common areas. And by making the buildings more appealing towards the free market units, they were also able to raise the rents on the regulated units. And now a number of councilmen are saying, you're still going to renovate these buildings because you're benefiting from the free market units, but it shouldn't come at the cost of our regulated tenants. Um, then related to vacancy decontrol and vacancy increases, they, there's a proposed, there's, there's conversation to basically cut those. Um, whether that will happen on the ground or not, we don't know, but there's a conversation related to that. If that goes into effect, from our limited understanding, we think that it's going to impact uh, 421A buildings the most because growth rate on uh, rents come from vacancy allowances. If you have no vacancy allowances, how are you going to raise your legal rent on new construction buildings? For I'm just thinking of putting myself into a you know a, a small landlord or a, a mom and pop someone who's their buildings are their livelihood. They have right. one or two buildings and they're you know perhaps they have regulated tenants. Some of these these changes could very much impact their bottom line and how they do business. Right. So, I mean, this is, this is the challenge of, uh, of government and public policy. There's a, there's, there's an idealism and a good that they're trying to achieve, but at the same time, they don't want to necessarily curb, uh, um, industry and uh, investments in their neighborhoods. So it's, it's really this balancing act. So let's talk about a scenario, Dave, right now, in order to a deregulated unit, it's the first tenant above uh, 2733 that uh, is stabilized, they leave, then it becomes e-controlled. What are they proposing, right? What are they proposing for June? What happens to that 2733? The city is proposing that once you cross that threshold of 2733, um, the unit will remain rent regulated. You'll still have to base your increases off the 2733, and those increases will be mandated by the city per the annual vote. And then what's, uh, what, what about the vacancy allowances? What are they proposing to do? So that's that? another thing that's on the table right now. The city is attempting to pass a bill that will uh, end your vacancy allowance. In the past, as we all know, that when a rent-regulated unit would vacate, you would get that automatic 18 to 20% bump, and the city wants to do away with that. Fine. Next category was related to the buyout process. What are the, what's on the table there? Yeah, so there are two bills that impact directly the buyout process. One is that prior to buying out a tenant, the landlord has to pro provide the tenant with the market rate for the same size unit within that neighborhood. So if a tenant's living in Chelsea and paying uh, you know, $1,200 a month for a two-bedroom, the landlord has to show the tenant that actually the market rate for such a size unit in the same neighborhood would be $5,500 purpose here is that the tenant knows exactly what they're getting into before they execute a buyout. So but to make it clear, it's a disclosure statement. The yeah, same way exactly. you give a disclosure statement related to your rights, it's you're going to type in your zip code, it's going to show you the medium rent for two bedrooms or one bedrooms or a certain square footage mm -hmm. in that neighborhood. So if the tenant's considering taking a buyout or wants to take a buyout, 
they're also getting a disclosure statement that if they want to stay in that same area, what are going to be the related costs for re- renting another unit in that neighborhood? Yeah. And the second bill they proposed regarding the buyouts was that once a landlord executes a buyout with the tenant, they will have 45 days to register that buyout with the city. So essentially, all their buyouts will become public info, and then there's going to be a database where the city can see exactly which landlords are conducting buyouts and how much they're paying. Right. To be clear, they propose file all of these buyouts getting filed with HPD, whether it ends up becoming public info. They didn't put that on the proposed bill, but they're requ- they're, they want to create a central database so the city can track what's happening within each one of these neighborhoods. Um, so next, there was a proposed bill related to vacate orders, mm-hmm. and this we tied this into that category of uh, equity stake. What's up here? Yeah. The vacated orders in the past, um, we all know stories of landlords who have used vacated orders to their advantage. You know, essentially, let's say the building went up on fire, the landlord would go and try to use that and say um, that the tenants will be all bought out at a lower rate, um, or they'll just disregard doing the work and the, and the tenants will be stuck, and then he has a vacant lot to try to sell. Um, what the city wants to do now, the city want, is mandating that a landlord who has a vacant order has to take... 10% of the rent roll for that unit or the entire building, depending on what the vacated order is on, and deposit that in the city's escrow account, HPD's escrow account. Um, they're, you know, essentially, this would mandate the landlord to pay for the alternate housing for these tenants that have been displaced. Right. To be clear, it's the proposed rent roll, proposed rent for each of those tenants in that neighborhood. So if someone's in a two-bedroom and they're going into another two-bedroom that's, uh, say, $3,000 a month... For a number of years, you have to put up 10% of that rent within HPD within 45 days. Um, so next, related to leasing. So right now, initial lease packages are, I don't know, maybe 30 to 50 pages. So they want to add another page here. What's, what are they proposing to add? Yeah, so the city basically is just is going to tell landlords they have to add on an additional page to all rent-regulated renewals. What this page is going to do, it's going to give the tenants the backup on the four years prior rent. Um, it'll tell the tenants how exactly the landlord arrived at their current rent. What this does is that it gives the tenants um, information and ammo should they decide to, down the line, you know, bring a rent overcharge claim against the landlord. Um, and that's only in the, in the event that there's some sort of fraud. Right, exactly, yeah. Of course, um, it's clean. Right, so what are they try- trying to accomplish here? They want to make it easier for the public to get access information related to their building. Um, tenants may not be knowledgeable on how to navigate DHCR, so they're saying just put it as part of the initial lease. So if s- someone is curious, they don't have to get stuck in the maze of navigating these agencies. It's part of the initial lease. They can see the history, and if there's something questionable or um, in the gray area, they can easily access it and come up with their own conclusion. Much more transparency. Yeah, there. Is, so one of the big one of the big goals of uh, city council from what we're seeing on these bills is they want to create transparency. Um, there was tremendous amount of growth. There was a tremendous amount of change with the number of units that have become deregulated as far as units that where their legal rents have been increased, and they want to increase the uh, the opportunity for tenants that are, are curious to have that transparency to see what happened here. So we discussed the vacate orders, we discussed leasing, the buyout process, process servers. So one here, one, one council person proposed having uh, uh, process servers being, tw- a certain percentage of them being audited on, uh, on what they were doing. 
Um, so that was one per thing on the table. We don't see that really having much of an impact. Okay. Um, if anything, it just may increase the cost that you pay a process server. Um, so a heavy topic was related to violations. And they, what are they trying to accomplish here? Um, I guess big picture items across all the violations bills, what they want to do is they want to ensure that all your vendors and contractors are doing everything perfectly. They want no errors on the applications, um, no misstating things on your permits. If you go ahead and you actually make an error on your application, this is going to give you a fine violation. There are certain situations where the city won't allow you to get a permit for up to a year um, if you misstate something on your application. And then how are they tying, what, what are they doing to tie in all of the different agencies? I saw something related to the Department of Finance and HPD and DOB. What are they trying yeah, to so do? Yeah, so DOB, Department of Finance, HPD, what they're all doing, they're coming together and they're sort of um, integrating their databases together. So if something's flagged on the HPD site um, or in their database, the Department of Finance will have it flagged as well. So for example, if on your, you know, if on your HPD application you're saying that you have a 19-unit building and... Uh, and the uh, Department of Finance has it as a twenty-unit building. That's going to be a major red flag. What are they? What are the proposed uh, bills related to the professionals related to a, uh, a building permit? Like, for example, if uh, if an architect is signing off on the number of units that are in a building or the number of regulated units. Yeah. So, what big area of focus is uh, is making sure that on your applications you list exactly a how many units are occupied and b. If you're listing that a building is vacant, then that building is actually in fact vacant because it's obviously far easier to get applications on buildings um, which are totally vacant. And then past, the city has seen an uptick in owners who have been falsely labeling their buildings as such. So what the city wants to do is they want to mandate that at least 15% of these buildings labeled as vacant will have uh, an inspection by one of the DOB inspectors to make sure that it is in fact vacant. And um, regarding the occupied units, um, as I mentioned before, if you mislabel the amount of units that are occupied in a building, you can be denied uh, a permit for up to a year. If someone purchases a building that has open violations and they're working to um, to take care of those, how, how would this impact an owner in that situation or would it? So the best thing to do right now, either if you're buying a building or you're selling a building, the current owner should clean up as much as he can because it's easier to do it under his own regime uh, than a new person coming in where he may not understand the history of something to do it and do it as quickly as possible. Um, one thing that I could, I could say with some level of confidence is that all of these categories, it's going to be easier to do business today than it will be a few months from now, so it's better to just get it out of the way now. Great advice. So one thing that, you know, one thing that's on the table, and this is just also administrative, is tenant protection plans. They, they want DOB to have greater scrutiny in reviewing these. They want to transfer the level of responsibility from the architect to the contractor. And one thing that they're proposing is that they want the DOB permit holder to grant access um, to any inspector that wants to access that building. So they, what they're trying to do here is they want to prevent a DOB inspector from not being able to get inside a building to audit something where there was a filed complaint. So let's say, for example, one of us is the contractor and another of us is, the, is DOB and the inspector. Someone calls DOB, they get, a, they get a complaint. That DOB inspector should be able to call the contractor, say, I'm coming in at this time, let me in. If they don't get in, 
if they don't get access, there's going to be some sort of ramification to that DOB holder on, uh, on not providing access. So what, again, what are they trying to accomplish here? They want to tr create a level of fluidity and efficiency on, uh, on the, on, with this agency, between the agency and the contractor and the building. So all of this stuff that they're proposing from, uh, from on the construction level, they're, they're not saying we don't want renovations to happen. We're not saying that we want to penalize you for doing a renovation. But what they're trying to accomplish is they want to eliminate any potential fraud or misstatement on applications. They want to eliminate the, a, re, a reward system for people that may have a high number of violations on using those to possibly vacate units and then doing renovations. If you've got low violations or no violations, you're not gonna have a problem. If everything on your application is correct and it mirrors what, state, what you filed or stated with other agencies, no problem. If you're not getting complaints or there's nothing questionable happening at your building, the inspector is not gonna, there's, on paper, there's not gonna be any issue with your contractor. Um, what may end up happening is some contractors or professionals may not want to do business in the city. Um, there might be consolidation where certain professionals and contractors may want to work solely together because they're familiar with each other's paperwork and operating style, and that may make it easier to get permits or to finish uh, construction jobs. And one thing that you know became clear with a number of bills, they wanted to consolidate the information amongst a number of these agencies so to create the level of transparency. Okay, gentlemen, as we wrap this discussion, thank you so much for sharing all of this information with us. It's a lot to process. Um, could we finish with some, some final thoughts? It's there high note that we can end yeah, on. Yeah, so let, let's go right to it. So with any change, there's also opportunity. Um, we may not necessarily know what that opportunity is today, but just from what we know from you know, any type of uh, experience, change creates opportunity. Um, with all these proposed changes, the goals of government are, we think it's, it's reasonable or, uh, or healthy goals, whether those proposed legislation will end up accomplishing it or the collateral damage might be more than the good, time will tell. Um, but if an operator is able to, to follow these bills, uh, adjust their their operating uh, styles to really be a, well above this. Um, there's going to be opportunity. This will pass. Um, it will become part of uh, you know our operating procedures, and, uh, and I, I think in a in a short amount of time we'll see what new opportunities will present itself with these with these proposed changes. Sounds like a plan, and it, the strategy is in your name, Stratco. So I mean, it seems like that's certainly something that owners are going to want to really use strategy and understand as they move forward with some of these proposed uh, changes that, that may or may not happen. <laughs> All right, thank you for joining us, and thank you again to Robert and David of Stratco Property Group. Appreciate you sharing your knowledge with us, and uh, look forward to working with you and learning more in the future. Thank you. Thank you. Be sure to like and follow Landlords New York on social media, as well as landlordsnewyork.com. Thank you. Thank you.